I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. To be or not to be, I think is the topic for tonight. How are you? Good. Dear God in heaven. No, I didn't. It's insane weather out there. It's pissing rain. It's the 16th of June and there's frogs everywhere. Everywhere. Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah, as soon as it starts to rain, they'll be out looking for little bits and pieces of food. So you can't leave the door of the kitchen open, or else you're going to have frogs all over the gap. (laughs) So, Stephanie, welcome to the Critter Shed podcast. Thanks very much. You're not Stephanie Ennis, but you are related, right? Yes, we are. We are indeed related. That's where the good looks come from. What? <laughs> I'm sure you know this that is as soon as I walked in. <laughs> yeah, which is why I can say that and <laughs> get away with it. So Stephanie is my cousin. Right. And she's a graduate of Trinity Zoology. Right. And you're currently working on? A project about bees on farms back in Trinity. I've just finished my PhD. That was in England. And now that I've moved back. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Fantastic. Yeah. And you're working with Jane. Jane Stout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who right. is class. Queen Bee. Yeah, That's yeah. what I call she her, is. yeah. She's okay, we're going to make a run for it because it's yeah. absolutely lashing rain and we're standing in the kitchen and we're going to make a run for the shed. Okay, let's do it. You ready? You yeah, go yeah. first. All right. Frogs everywhere. The plague of frogs in the garden. We're making a dash for the... For the shed. Like you have to run the gauntlet of the frogs. And we're all squished oh, into the. Uh, do we have three? I have chairs here. Chairs in here. Chairs for you still. On the radio. But you really appreciate how small this place is. So we made it. We made it. We're alive. We're here. We battled the. Uh, the frog the army. Torrential rains of Irish summer. Yes. And I work on bees. You're studying something that I would imagine is affected yes. by the weather. Yes. It's a bit of a running joke in ecology that like people who study bees are like fair weather ecologists <laughs> because we only go out when the sun is out and it's warm and it's dry because that's when the bees come out. But um, in Ireland, it's you kind of have to uh, compromise on that a little bit. So I've been getting drenched <laughs> most of the time out looking for bees. bees. Picture look. So we're going to have a general chat about bees. Yeah, okay. Who aren't doing well. No. Like everything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they kind of follow the same trend as all other wildlife and biodiversity, really. Right. You know, for the most part. Right. So you're specialising in a specific type of bee, which is... So 
my PhD research looked at solitary bees. Okay. So do you want to hear my like pitch? Yes. Like what? my party piece. First of all, I only, this is to my great shame, I only found out recently that there were things like solitary bees. So what's a solitary bee apart from being a solitary bee? Yes. So yeah. So this is like my party piece to make me like the interesting person at the, at the gaff party. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so in Ireland, we have 98 species of bee. Wow. One of those is a honeybee. That is the only species that makes honey, that swarms, that is managed by beekeepers. Okay. And that is a managed species. It's generally not found in the wild. There are It does swarm a little bit in the wild, but mostly it's a managed species. Then we have about 20 species of bumblebee. And they're also social like honeybees. They live in nests, they have queens, they have workers, all the rest of it. But then the rest, like the other 77 species of bee, are solitary and they don't have any of that social structure. So there aren't queens, there aren't workers. They live solitarily. One female, one nest. She provisions her nest. She lays her own eggs. Everybody is fertile, etc., etc. And those are the vast majority of bee species worldwide are okay. solitary. And then you can sort of break up that group of solitary bees into sort of three different groups based on how they nest. So there are ground nesting species. These are the species that nest in the ground, surprisingly. (laughs) So the female will just dig a little hole in the ground, like down into the ground, and uh, she'll excavate it out, and she will just lay an egg, gather pollen, put a little pollen ball on top of the egg, seal over that cell, and do that until she fills up the nest. And then you have species that are aerial nesting, so they nest in like cavities. And you know, like these bee hotels that people buy. Yes, those are the species that go into those. Right? Brilliant okay. aerial nesting species. Right. And then the third group are like uh, cuckoo species, so they don't actually make their own nests; they just parasitize other bees. So they just oh, they're solitary bees. Yeah, yeah. So that's they, awesome. Yeah, yeah. So they're like, and there's like specific relationships, like specific species parasitize other specific species, and they just like sneak their eggs into the nest, and then those larvae like eat the food resources and sometimes the egg that, that the, shit. Yeah, so yeah, it's, yeah. there's some complex intricate relationships out there in the bee world it's there's a lot going on okay, yeah. okay. <laughs> all right okay there's loads going on yeah, yeah yeah so yeah so that's the thing so most of our like none of our wild bee species in ireland make honey that's very cool yeah, yeah, yeah. so honeybees are domesticated bees Essentially, Essentially, yes. Yeah, right. yeah. There are, I mean, in this country, there are elsewhere in the world you know, wild species. Yes. But here and, and in the UK, the honeybees are managed. So they are similar to livestock, I suppose, in a way. Okay. Yeah, the way they're managed. I have a fun fact that I want to check up with you. I heard that one teaspoon of honey mm. is the life's work of eight bees. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. It's not your area. No, no, honey. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm going to get full of honey every time I hear <laughs> We get all the puns out of the way yeah. now. These... No, they're just going to keep coming. I know, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, honeybees are like a really, really complex system. And there are people who are absolute experts in just honeybees. I am not one of those people. <laughs> and they're <Well>, fabulous. <laughs> we, we, will, we will get someone up to talk about honeybees someday. But. The, the wild bee species being an indicator species of mm. biodiversity mm. and a habitat, a healthy habitat, mm-hmm. a healthy, healthy ecosystem, mm-hmm. them uh, not doing too well. No, like it's a classic story. So 
at the moment, the best statistics that we have tells us that about a third of our wild native bee species are threatened with extinction in Ireland. And most of that is due to the absolute classic reasons, habitat loss, fragmentation, intensive agriculture, urbanisation, pesticide use, all of this stuff everybody like goes on about all the time. But that's what it is. Yeah, you know, know, there's no no magic bullet or cure or anything for it. It's not just Montesanto. It's Montesanto plus nowhere to live. Yeah, yeah. It's death by a thousand cuts, right? It's the same for every for everything. Amphibians. Yeah, that's my thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Doesn't matter who you talk to, like whether you're an insect person, the mammal person, you always come back to the same stuff over and over again. So (sighs) on a local level. Mm. And a lot of people listen to this have a very healthy interest, which is we were always grateful for for people who are helping out wildlife in their gardens and their mm. balconies and whatever. Mm. What can people do practically mm. that will actually make a difference? There's so much people. There's loads people can do. So I'm going to plug at this point <laughs> the, the All Ireland Pollinator Plan, which was a uh, is a plan that was developed by two incredible bee experts in this country um, my boss at the moment Professor Jane Stout and Dr Una Fitzpatrick who's at the National Biodiversity Data Centre yeah. and they developed this plan for how we can stop the decline of bees in Ireland and things we can do to that end and they have a website pollinators.ie and they've done this with like no money by the way. <laughs> it's incredible so the plan itself is 81 evidence-based actions. But if you are a person who wants to know what can I do in my garden or what can my local school do or what can my local business do, go onto the website because they have guides for every single different type of situation. So if you want to know what flowers to plant in your garden or if you are somebody who is in a local council and you're interested in changing some of your management practices there are guidelines for councils so it's a really really incredible resource and I would really encourage everybody to go on pollinators.ie loads of great information You're a solitary bee yeah. woman. Yeah. Um, so tell us about them. What do they look like? What's their biology? How do they live? So the best thing about solitary bees is that they are very complex and they're very different depending on which species you're looking at. They range in their size. You get tiny, tiny species to like much bigger species like the size of bumblebees. You have these different nesting strategies. You have ones that parasitize. You have generalized species, special species. Um, so they're very varied. I particularly focus on the ones that nest in the ground. And some of those are have a fairly similar biology. So they will the female basically will emerge and she gets mated by a male rather we quickly. Right. So, so the male grabs her. <laughs> yeah, go on. She doesn't have much to say about it. Okay. Um so she I think it's the ones that when they emerge, I think I remember seeing something on yeah. the in the television um, where the males come out and they actually like really have aggro fights over the females so some of them you have like mating balls okay yeah so some species which is like really gas I mean not for like the female but like there'll be one female and like 15 or 20 males will just try to mate with her at once and they'll form this mating ball and just be wow. like rolling around the place and sometimes because basically the males emerge first and then they hang around waiting for the females but sometimes they're just like really over eager and somebody goes after another male and then everybody thinks that's a female and you just have mating balls full of males like wasting <laughs> <laughs> all their time <laughs> 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 just gas <laughs> um, but uh, 
the males emerge first. Yeah, so it's really so it's interesting. So the females generally they can control whether they lay a male or a female egg. Mm. So wow. when they are laying the eggs in a nest, um, if you imagine a vertical burrow, and you have some eggs at the bottom and more closer to the top. So generally, the ones at the bottom will be females, and the ones at the top are males. So then you've got to wait, right, for whoever's in front of you to get out before you can. Oh, like a little queue. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I thought it would have been like temperature or something like that. They that's are, my reptile. Yeah, yeah. No, they my, are te- like your reptile heavily, brain. Yeah. yeah, that's my reptile fanboy thing. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, they are heavily temperature dependent, of course. Bees are generally. They need to have a certain level of temperature to be able to fly and get their flight muscles going and all the rest of it. And their cues, for the most part, of when to actually emerge will be controlled by temperature. But just, yeah, how the males come out first is just controlled by the, the female. That's, that's, that's really, really cool. That's yeah. a very interesting fact. That's mad. Definitely. And then after that, after she's, so females are the mating. Yeah, yeah. Then she is, obviously, gravid has to feed up. Yeah, so the female gets mated and then, like, the work really starts for her, which is a classic of the animal kingdom. Like, the male just continues to fly around looking for females. He might disperse somewhere else looking for more females, whereas the female's got to start working right away. So... Um, yeah, so she's got, she'll have, she'll have to feed herself mm-hmm. um, and then she's got to dig a nest. And if you, like a size of a bee, I'm talking about smaller than a bumblebee, digging into the ground with her front legs mm. to get a nest, to, to establish her nest. We're talking like half a centimetre? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a, that's the sort of size you're talking. For her to dig out with her front legs and some of them go down 20, 30 centimetres no. down into the ground. Yeah, yeah, I'm not joking. Wow. And uh, so it takes incredible strength and she's doing all this and the males are like, bye, see ya. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much. Time on fashion. to the next one. <laughs> 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 so, <laughs> I feel, I feel <laughs> guilty. <laughs> I feel guilty here. <laughs> anyway, so she digs out her nest all on her own and then she will lay her first egg and now she's got to go and she's got to start collecting food for that egg because she's got to provision that egg with enough food to develop from an egg into a larvae all the way into adulthood because a lot of these species will actually overwinter in the nest as adults. So she's got a heavy burden to provide that much food and she'll continue to do that basically until she runs out of energy and she dies wow. or the weather turns. So lots of these species are only active for a few weeks. Yeah. Like one of the reasons we have, we don't have a huge amount of scientific information about their specific ecologies or biologies, etc. because they're quite difficult to study mm-hmm. because there's so many of them and they're only active for a few weeks and then they're gone. So it's a really heavy burden on her to provide that much food for all of her eggs and then she just dies. Uh, that's what I was going to ask. So when you say mm. they're active and then they're gone, mm. they die. Yeah, no, she died. They oh, all die. No. Yeah. So they, they have all... a, a very short. Yeah, it's... they emerge. Yeah, they mate. They lay mm-hmm. eggs, and that's yeah. it. That's it. That's it. She spends her whole life digging a nest, laying eggs, provisioning those eggs, making sure they have enough food to survive all the way into adulthood, and then she just like flies off into the distance yeah. and dies. And the males just, you know get their end away for their entire lives. <laughs> and they, they die. Yeah, they die. So they have like the perfect existence. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Please, Buddha, reincarnate me as a solitary being.
from the time that the female emerges mm-hmm. and dies, mm. what are we talking there? Depends on the species, but it can be as little as two weeks. Really? Yeah, yeah. Some of them longer. Some of them will be active for, you know, eight or 12 weeks, well. depending. And also depends on the weather conditions. Like if it just gets too cold, then they'll just die off. Mm-hmm. Or, and then we get into things like how much forage is there around for them to actually mm. provision the eggs with and um, all of that has an impact on how long they're, they're active for. So we have we have a tradition here in the Critter Shed of homing in on riding. Okay, yeah. So uh, I would love to know the mechanics of of bee mating. You thought you were going to get away with this, didn't you? But you're not. So just talk me through it. Uh, I mean, from the time that you emerge, how do the males find her? What do they use to mate her? It's all fascinating. Usually it's pheromones that they use to uh-huh. to find her. So she'll give off a, a scent that they'll follow. And the whole process is very quick. Um, <laughs> quick. Don't look at me. All right. <laughs> um, yeah. What do they, they use to mate? They have... Um, these they have small genitals. They have small penises, small willies. Yeah, okay. Are they willies? Call them willies. Let's call them willies. It's not my specific expertise. Right. I don't pay too much attention <laughs> to the right. I don't pay too much attention to the males at all, to be honest. It's mostly the right. females that I actually care about. But do, do they have something that resembles a penis? Like, is there penetration? It or looks ha- like it doesn't look like a penis. It's like. Um, well, actually, it's it depends on the species what the male genitalia look like. Okay. So you sort of like you can flip them out when you're trying to identify the species, and ah. they have lots of different shapes. Right. Like spiders. Spiders are ID'd by their by the male's reproductive organs. Right. Same thing, yeah. Because right. some of them can be quite. I would imagine it's the same with bees. Some of them uh. could look uh, very similar to the yes. naked eye, but if you want to. Exactly. Yeah, very exactly good. the same thing. So you'll just like pull out their genitals to be sure what it is. <laughs> like, a little, like a little passport. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is really weird. Yeah, it's really, really weird. <laughs> just, I'm so sorry. I'm just going to have to flip yeah. this out here. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, do you know much about the bee orchids and what they get up to? I know that they're very cool and that they are very bold in <laughs> how they, they operate they, they mimic they mimic they? a female they yeah. fem- mimic a female bee um, and so they attract male bees and they try to mate with the flower because they think it's a female and that's how they get pollinated mm. you know and when you look at a, at a bee orchid they actually look, look. like the rear end they of a really female bee yeah. they really do yeah, and because yeah. the males come out first the orchids take advantage of that mm. so they know they know they've they've evolved oh, yeah. to attract the males because the males are around first and mm. this incredibly complex insane yeah. sort of interdependence or not yeah. even interdependence what would you call it well it's 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 almost it's almost like a par- parasitic relationship and well, it, well they're it's, taking it's, advantage it's of it's a helpful relationship yeah it's interesting again and again exactly oh my god yeah, it's yeah. like the bee equivalent of a blow-up doll <laughs> <laughs> That took 15 minutes to get there i'm so bad <laughs> yeah 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 with, it's good with uh, the, 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 Sorry, you, I can't get the blow up done. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm trying to push that up. The there are couch. so many botanists out there like, fuck this guy. <laughs> <laughs> How dare he? How dare you say that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, bee offers yeah. are the business. I actually yeah, yeah, saw some the other day. I was out in Bull Island and they're starting to pop up. Yeah, they're I, really I haven't seen any here since I've come Bull over. Bull Island. We'll mm. do a little really? walking. Yeah. Class. Really, Brilliant. really nice out there. But you were saying earlier on about the, the temperature having a, a big mm-hmm. importance on the development stages and mm-hmm. when they do what mm-hmm. they do with that ever increasing threat mm-hmm. of global climate change mm-hmm. 
is that another little one of the thousand cuts they're getting? Absolutely. Okay. I mean, climate change is bad news for bees in lots of ways. Mm. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. That's one of them. Okay. Um, I mean, one of the other things we're seeing is like uh, these rain shifts that you see a lot with butterflies where they're sort of moving north. Yes. They're sort of following, they're expanding their range in some places and then in other places they're being lost from where it's getting warmer and warmer. And bees is, is sort of a similar thing is happening. So we've actually had quite a few colonizations from sort of mainland Europe into the UK and oh, then cool. over to us. So I would imagine like, like a lot of uh, Irish fauna is yeah. quite poor. Mm. Our biodiversity, let's say, is mm-hmm. very poor compared to mainland Europe and even the UK mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. because of the Ice Age and mm-hmm. the Irish Sea filling in. So I imagine that bees would be a lot less, uh, species-wise, would be a lot less numerous over here. Yeah, so in the UK even, they have, uh, in the region of 275 species wow. compared wow. to our 98. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then if you, once you go onto the continent, it's even more yeah. and get down to the Mediterranean. Yeah. God damn you, I Ice Fucking <laughs> 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 Brits again. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, but we have had our most recent colonizer. Um, I should sorry, I shouldn't just no, no, it's fine. Listen, it still hurts. It's, it's only been eight, you know, yeah. 150 years. It yeah. still hurts. Um, bee, we, we bee species is uh, the tree bumblebee, Bombus hypnorum, which cool. is a recent arrival into Ireland, has probably come over from the UK, where where it was is also non-native, um, okay. and it's just spread really, really rapidly. Um, it's getting warmer for it. Yeah, and, and yeah, the, the range is expanding and then it's quite easy for it to make the hop over, over to Ireland. So they're starting to crop up. Let's keep an eye out for them. They're really nice. They're the only cavity nesting species of bumblebee that we have now. Awesome. Most of them nest in the ground. Yeah. Now, do we have any specific Irish bee species? There is one. <gasps> oh, yes! <laughs> it is a bumblebee. There is one species of bumblebee. It's not a specific species, but there is a particular form of a bumblebee species that is only found on the Aran Islands. Oh. Wow. Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. 
it evolved yeah. out there? Or? It's not a particular species. It's just a, a form, form of a species that we only have on the Aran Islands. So, so we have something. Yeah, we have something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Went, went to, to the, the island, island married its cousins. <laughs> and now they sit in the porch playing their banjo. <laughs> <laughs> and they look a little yeah, different. Yeah. Yeah. Decided to ignore everybody else. Just did their own thing out on the Aran Islands. Which, which populations are wont to do. <laughs> so does that mean if they were to come back to the mainland and mate with the same species? Obviously the same species. Yeah. But they're slightly I, different. Or I think they would probably still be able to have fertile offspring. Because cool. they're not. They haven't moved that far away from each right, other. Right. It is a particular form. But, but I'm not sure. Way. Oh. They're on their way. Even another hundred thousand years, you never That's know. Yeah. You never know. That's but it. lots of our bee species are sort of as they're declining, there are strongholds sort of in the west of Ireland because it's more flower rich. Mm-hmm. Um and there's less some less intensive agriculture out mm-hmm. there than yeah. there is on yeah. this side of the country. So quite a few of the species are being pushed to that side. So I have a question. So if I see a solitary bee mm-hmm. around my garden or something, mm-hmm. Like, how would you recognise where a bee has burrowed and laid eggs? What does it look like? Oh, yeah. So it's it sounds like it's really nondescript. It's just a hole in the ground, like a tiny hole in the ground. But once you get your eye in, they're really quite distinctive. So when they're active and they're actually building at the nests, what you'll see is like a volcano of earth around the hole. Um, so they're like little mini, mini volcanoes. Brilliant. Um, so lots of the, even though they're solitary bees, right, lots of them nest in what are called aggregations. Mm. So it's just lots of females of the same species nesting near to each other. There's no social cooperation between them. Yeah. They just nest in the same place. It's kind of like a housing estate yeah. where no one talks to each other. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. That's what I think of. And so those are quite easy to spot especially mm. for the bigger species because then you've got lots like multiple little volcanoes in the same place those are the kind of things I worked on for like the last three years while I was in England so I definitely became that person just going around staring at the ground constantly <laughs> like what is that woman doing got asked some really odd questions while yeah. I was like oh, yeah. out and about in Cambridge <laughs> what are you doing there strange girl? I, I remember you did an interview for BBC local BBC over oh, there yeah. and I remember after listening to you talking about them I was like so into solitary bees <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I never had looked for them before. So I was fishing on the barrow. Yeah. And all along the barrow are these like high uh, soil banks. Yes. And there were some solitary bees going into it uh, horizontally and then going out vertically. Yeah. And it was like this little hive of activity. Yeah. Sorry yeah. to say that. <laughs> some bulls. But uh, it, was, it was deadly actually seeing yeah. it. And it's again, like you were saying, if you weren't looking, you wouldn't know. You wouldn't know. It's amazing. Like once you get your eye in for it, you start yeah. seeing them everywhere. I mean, that's one of the brilliant things about nature generally. Just like the tiniest bit of knowledge and suddenly you, mm. it's like you open up this whole new world to yourself mm. yep. and uh, you didn't realise it was there. And solitary bees are definitely one of those things. And yeah, so part of my PhD, I did like a renaissance and science project trying to get people to record the nest sites. And loads of people got in touch, just emailed me. We're like, I never even knew solitary bees were a thing and they're all over my garden. I never noticed before. Like it's class. <laughs> yeah. They're brilliant that's and they're really so good. brilliant and they're safe. They can sting, but they're very docile. It's mm. very difficult to get them to sting you and their stings are very weak. Like bees kind of get a bad press. I don't, when I was younger, like I was really afraid of bees. Everybody was, right? Like you were trained to be terrified of yeah. them. But the vast majority of bees are very docile. They'll only sting you if you piss them off. Yeah. Mm. And for solitary species, their stings are really weak. Some of them can't even break the, break the skin. It's the honeybees who have 
Mm-hmm. given yeah. the bad press mm-hmm. because they have a barbed sting mm. so they're the God, ones you think they're the sweethearts I know <laughs> yeah. but there they are stinging people <laughs> left right and centre they still I mean they still won't like know, unless you annoy them but uh, they because they have a barbed sting their sting will stay in the skin mm-hmm. and when they pull away they rip all their guts mm-hmm. out that's oh. how they that's how they die so yeah. honey bees are the only ones who can only sting once that's oh, how no. they right. all okay. other species of bee can sting multiple times when they rip their guts times. out they give a pheromone off to yeah, you, to, to exactly. You know. Other bees know like something's yeah. going down over yeah. here. Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah, That's yeah. Amazing. But only honeybees can do that. solitary bee that you were studying yeah describe it so there was I was studying four different species but I will describe my favourite yes. <laughs> we love people's favourites everyone has a favourite so my favourite is called the tawny mining bee and it's gorgeous it's great like name. it is great isn't it tawny yeah, yeah yeah I like it it's absolutely gorgeous so it's like um, red and orange bright red and orange it's really distinctive it's really easy to spot it's about the size of maybe a bumblebee worker. So it's one of the biggest um, species of solitary bee. And it's also one of the first that becomes active. So they sort of emerge anytime from sort of the end of February, really. March, April, they're kind of active around that time. And they're just gorgeous. <laughs> they are so gorgeous. Oh, she's definitely my cousin. <laughs> so tell me how many legs, how many segments, yada, yada, yada. Six legs, head, thorax, abdomen are the, are the segments. I should say the females are the ones that are really gorgeous. The males are nice, but they are scrawny and not as pretty. <laughs> <laughs> like a classic Irish man. <laughs> um, they're a very common species in the UK. They, they were present here. Then we thought they had gone extinct for like 50 years. And then in like 2012, they were recorded in a couple of places. So Mm -hmm. down in Waterford and in Dublin. And we're starting to get a trickle of records for them around the Dublin area. They've been recorded again this year. So that's really exciting. They're a common species, but they're probably one of those ones that would be vulnerable to things like lack of flowers, right? Because they're one of those ones that's active really early in the year. Mm -hmm. And that's when we have these gaps in food, these food gaps. Most people have flowers in their gardens that flower sort of in the summertime and generally like around the country, around our landscapes because we've lost all all of our wildflower meadows. There's very little available mm. in terms of food at right. that time of the year. So it's it's our sort of spring species and autumn species that are... Struggling. Yeah. So I was a bit... Actually, struggle. that answers the question I was going to say with certain species of bees would be probably heavily reliant on native uh, flowers and plants as opposed to what you go and buy in your your gardens. Absolutely. I mean, native flowers are the best, both for bees and for things that, other things that feed on them, but also for our botanical diversity and etc. So if you're looking to sort of plant flowers for bees or for, for insects, go for the native species, go for the native wildflowers. That's what we have lost to a gargantuan proportion. Lots of the things that we plant in our gardens, they look really nice, but they have no nectar or pollen. They're annual species. Mm. So they offer very little right. in terms of um, food. Okay. So perennials generally are better. Natives are better. If you're unsure, pollinators.ie, there's guys. Yes. 
on specific species. But another good trick is if you go to your garden centre and you're looking around and you're thinking, I would like to get something that's going to be good for bees or butterflies. Just look. There will be bees and things on the plants in the garden centre. Look what they're visiting. And if they're covering one particular... Buy that, you know? Like, mm-hmm. that's probably the easiest thing if you find yourself monstrously unprepared when you enter the garden centre. Can we also talk about weeds, what we label weeds, which drives me nuts yeah. because, you know, we're weeds are just plants by another name. I mean, are they important for bees? Yes, they're absolutely so important for bees. So things like uh, white clover, dandelions, things that are come up in our lawns early in the season, they provide a great food source for bees. But again, we are bed into mm. just getting rid of them because, mm. you know, their flowers in the wrong place, therefore they're weeds. This sort of tidiness mm. attitude is um, problematic. <laughs> but actually, when you look at them, they're beautiful. They're gorgeous. They? They're really yeah, gorgeous. yeah. It's that. It's that really gets my go. Yeah. It's yeah. this obsession with tidying everything up, and nature doesn't do tidy. It just doesn't. I know, but it, it makes no sense when you really think about it. You know why? Why should nature be tidy? Yeah. Why is it? I mean. Are rainforests tidy? tidy. No, no, they're not. No. You know, why Why do we expect that yeah. from nature? I think we forget that everything is in a circle and that everything is food for something else. Yeah, yeah. And that if you take away part of a circle, then mm-hmm. you're sort of stopping it or making it difficult to bridge that gap. Yeah. So, yeah, something that falls down and is rotting, somebody's going to enjoy that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's a Victorian mindset. Blind Boy actually did a great podcast. Yeah, with it last I listened week. To yeah it. <laughs> it's really good. Yeah. And it's like he was, he was saying it's that Victorian mindset going back to like when the Brits wanted to make everything England and yeah. prim and proper and make, mm. make their lawns look like works of art mm-hmm. as opposed to the wild spaces that they should be. And it's kind of bled into a lot of places in the world. Look at America even, yeah. the obsession with the green lawn. Yeah, nothing yeah. nothing it's, alive there green it's desert it's very cultural now yeah. you know it's so ingrained culturally that this expectation that you know you need to have a tidy garden you need mm. to have short grass and, mm. and that's the way it should be you mm. know that's kind of a, a cultural norm now but there is like there is a change coming I think oh, people can you notice it I, I can really notice it like yeah. it's not all doom and gloom people want to do something mm. yes people are tuned into it yes and they just don't know. Like, yeah. and why would you? I didn't know yeah, until exactly. I took a degree in zoology. Like, yeah. I shouldn't have to take a degree in zoology to know that flowers yeah. in, the, in the garden are not weeds. Yeah. Mm. And I, that's, that's the massive point. And that's why people like you are massively important. Because there's a lot of zoologists. No, in fairness, I'm not just saying it because you're my cuz. <laughs> but there's a lot of people out there who can't communicate about nature. Mm. I can't simplify it. Mm. they're kind of having this pissing contest to pronounce Latin names and it's like that's great and we need that for for when you're studying these things and to find out the facts but when you're communicating to Mr. Bus Driver or Mr. Postman or the lady in the shop or you know or me (laughs) or me you know what I mean whoever you just the regular people out there who want to make a difference people want to you know, it's so important, I think, to democratise the, the language. And mm. I, look, we all have a stake in it, right? Oh, yeah. we're democratising it all. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Talk about dicks, it's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everybody join in. <laughs> what are you studying? How big is its cock? <laughs> I tell you, we're going to take over the world. <laughs> I just enjoy how the, the, the females have all the power in it. Yeah. <laughs> That's my... Um, but, but, but no, we all have a stake in it, right? Yeah. Like this is what's fr- this is what's frustrating. I think 
ecology to a large but science can have this idea of the ivory towers and everybody hates experts and blah 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 but nature biodiversity our natural world we all have such a stake in that this is our land this is our country like anyone who lives here wherever you live you have a stake in the nature that surrounds you right you benefit from it it serves you and we're a part of that system right and we're all ecologists really we all are absolutely I mean, and conservationists it's 100% like 100% yeah it's everybody and people everybody is yeah. a conservationist and people don't even realize the knowledge that they have mm-hmm. you know like the more you talk to people who are like oh I'm just I'm I'm just an amateur like that is the most ridiculous mm-hmm. sentence I've talked to some people who have an encyclopedic knowledge of their local patch like yeah. their local nature mm-hmm. reserve or whatever and they're like Oh, I'm just an amateur. I don't know anything about yeah, it. Yeah. But these are the this is the species list for <laughs> this well, site going well, back 20 years. When we were yeah. uh, recently, we were looking for fro- uh, historic frog bre- breeding sites around Dublin, yeah. and all we did was stop old men walking dogs <laughs> or, or old women walking their yeah, dogs, yeah, yeah, yeah. and you just stop them and you go, yeah. "Do you remember? Uh, do you live around here long?" And they look at you like you have yeah. six heads, and yeah. you go, uh, "Do you remember around you frogs here? Oh yeah, over in that corner there. Yeah. See that willow." That, that started growing and dried the pond up. Bang. Brilliant. And it's like, yeah, there's wow. your historical site. Pull yeah. the willow out. Yeah. You have to take some trees down. Yeah. <laughs> but then the pond is restored. Yeah. Is there yeah. anything else? That was amazing. That anything was, else to... That's really awesome. I'm so mm-hmm. glad you came over and had yeah. a chat with us. Because yeah, we've been planning time. this for like a long time. And yeah, just, yeah, I you've know. You've been very busy. Yes. <laughs> yes, a busy bee. <laughs> <laughs> we have to do it. Oh, boy. Oh but boy. so, again, once again, we're going to shout out to the the pollinators.ie. Yeah, yeah. Get on there. Pollinators.ie. Pollinators.ie. Loads and loads of information. Also, if you have the time, I would really encourage you to get involved and do some citizen science yourself so they are the national biodiversity data center are collecting fit counts which are um basically you go and look at a patch of flowers for 10 minutes and record insects visiting flowers and then if you submit that to the website that would be a massive massive thing to do monitoring is so important so if you have the time and you feel inclined Mm. please please do do that and you will find information about that on it'd be great things to do with kids yeah yeah yeah, with your own kids yeah especially if you have Mm. kids out there or if you have nephews and nieces and you like to mm-hmm. take them out do something in nature with them because that's planting the seed for the next generation there are amazing places for bees in really urbanised areas yeah. so there's um, another PhD student Keen White in uh, James well, James yeah. brilliant student <laughs> he really, really works on urban bees so yeah. lots of his sites are like Stevens Green Marion Square yeah. like these really really urban areas but there's bees there That's great. so very slick suited urban bees <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, top yeah, hats yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 but that's James Jane's work now in Trinity has really, really kind of torn the torn. Else, yeah, yeah, it's amazing what has happened in that campus. Like it's it it, it is a, a, a it's just drawing these insects in from everywhere, and it goes to show you 
if you put the plants mm-hmm. and the habitat that they need, they will show up. If you, if you build, plant they it, they will come. come. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good way to end that. Great lines. <laughs> Thanks a million for coming on. That was yeah, brilliant. So Thank awesome. you so much. Anytime. Now, before we actually do buzz off, uh, right. didn't you say you'd start me out with some uh, treats for my cane toad? Oh, yeah. Terry. Have to give you have a cane toad for yeah. Terry. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.